Well, welcome back to another episode of The Miles Driven with me, Miles. Hola. Hola. For me, Samuel. <laughs> Have you not done Spanish yet? Oh, you did Portuguese, didn't oh, you? Oh, I was going for Mexican. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Or you can, that worked well. Yeah, you can have it <laughs> as Mexican. You can have it as Mexican and then keep Spanish as another one when you... Um, so today we've got, uh, we've got a listener question, which is great. Uh, really interesting one, actually, about BMW E92 M3 that they want to look and buy. Um, I've driven one of these previously, so I'll talk about one for a minute and then we can go into the question. And then, Which you've pretty much just told me. <laughs> yeah. I've got the question in front of me. You've pretty much read the question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Le Mans. I just want to talk about Le Mans technology, basically, and, and the things that have come about from testing at Le Mans and, uh, and why electric cars don't seem to have got to the point. They, they do a lot of hybrid testing at Le Mans but we're not at a point where they're willing to test full BEV or battery electric vehicles. So uh, that will come up in the second half of this podcast. So first off, Sam, um, would you, do you want to do the question first or do you want me to talk about the United States? No, let's, uh, let me read the question. Go on, then we'll go on. So it says, now Miles has written this out for me from the... Uh, from the Came through it onto on, me onto Instagram. Yes, sorry, so yeah. Um, so bear with me if it, if it takes me a second to read it. Miles is... Uh, I actually, and writing sometimes leaves a bit to be desired. And apologies for who sent it in. I forgot to actually make a note of your name. No, you've written the name. Oh, did I? Yeah, you've oh, written it. Oh, good. Them. Okay. Forgetful as ever. Yeah. Uh, it says, hi guys, enjoying the show. Uh, thinking of buying a BMW E93, E92 sorry, M3 when my 320i lease goes back as I miss something fun. Wanting something that isn't on payments. My budget is around fifteen to 20000 Could stretch a little bit, but I want to leave some spare cash aside for any maintenance is good it's the advice we gave before when we did one of yep. our second hand cars yeah um asking for opinions on the car and if you've ever driven one preferably a manual and that's from ivan oh which, ivan yeah sorry Ivan. great sorry. name yeah it's a good name fantastic yeah. name let's yeah. bring back the ivan so yeah because because he sent it to her on instagram and we i we always keep a backup recording uh on my phone so we've got our microphones and then we've yes, got and i haven't got <laughs> access to the instagram no. and, then, and then i keep the, the my phone here recording just in case Anything happens here, so that we don't have to record the whole thing over again. Not that we've had but, any bad. No, had oh. any. <laughs> but it means that I can't access my phone the whole time yeah. we're sat here. So, um, so thanks professional for, as ever, yeah. miles driven. Thanks, thank you for the message, Ivan. Uh, so I, well, I, I've driven one. I don't think you've driven an yeah. E ninety two M three, but you've driven an E ninety two because you drove my E ninety two that I oh, had okay. the three series, so yeah, the, yeah. that the coupe shaped three series that mm-hmm. I had, but just not the M uh, three. I've driven. Uh, let me just think how long ago it would it would have been ten years ago I think was the last time I actually drove one and I've driven three different ones that just I was fortunate enough when I was in the trade that came in uh, one of them was pretty much brand new so the owner of the dealership I was working at the time it was actually a used car sort of supermarket place he got one when they first came out uh, this would have been late. 2007 i think it was silverstone blue which is the silver silver color they do and uh i got to drive it when it had done about three or four thousand miles because it he the owner wouldn't let anyone touch it until it went they, they have to go for a running service i think it was around two thousand miles uh there is actually an article on the miles driven about running in vehicles so if you want to check check anything about i actually mentioned i think it was about two thousand miles basically the car goes back to the dealer they do an oil change and they released the software that allowed the engine to fully rev out. But um, so I drove it with about three or four thousand miles on the clock. And that's interesting to know. 
Yeah, I say because it was such a high revving V8. Yeah, uh, BMW basically wanted to restrict it. So the the first thing I'd note before I sort of talk about driving it is if you're in the market for uh, for one, try and find one that's had and got proof of that first service because it really is. <laughs> you're driving around going, why is this car so slow? Everyone yes. raves about this yeah. car. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, driving characteristics wise, they feel. I want to say sturdy, but it's it's just not a way of, of putting it correctly. So I had driven the 46, which feels a little bit live. It has uh, a sort of character to it that makes you feel like you can really go for a corner. And even if you do start to get a little bit of slip, you, you feel like you will be able to sort of carry it around the corner. The E92 feels a lot more planted, I would say. Uh, so if you are looking for something that's going to be fast, but you're not going to do a lot of back road sort of tighter twisty roads i think it's perfect because i got one i got to drive one later um that had done about twenty thousand miles that got traded in and i had to take it about 50 miles between uh, a dealer in leamington spa and i can't remember where i was going somewhere north of I bet that was a year. terrible day at work for you wasn't oh, it i mean it was, it was at the aston martin dealer that was in the group as well oh, brilliant <laughs> it was just one of those fortunate days where you put your hand up for a job you don't get told what the job is beforehand. And when I did get told what the job was, that that was it, getting to drive one of those. Um, and so a couple of things that I really enjoyed about it is I think a 414 horsepower, but it is it is all at the top end. And so if you are, I think you mentioned he's got a 320i. Yeah. So this is going to be a, a horsepower bump. But when you're driving normally, I would say, it isn't, really fast uh you know like below okay. five thousand rpm it, it does need to be wound out to get that upper ends of the horsepower from good, it because you can drive it sensibly yeah and also driving around it's not as intimidating if when yeah. you get in some modern stuff even let's talk about a uh, golf r mm-hmm. it's 300 horsepower but the torque is so early on it could be a little bit intimidating if you are coming from something that's a bit slower so to have something where actually you can build your way up and you will get to a point where you're really going for the revs. Um, that's where you'll really have the sort of fun in this vehicle. But for the majority of time, you'll be driving around with 200 horsepower because you'll be below, say, four or 5,000 RPM. And then when you really want to enjoy it, you can have all of the horsepower and take it right up through the rev range. Um, they, they have an M setting, so you can have them with a EDC controller which is for the suspension so that's an optional extra so depending on whether you have that or not it sort of stiffens up the suspension when you hit the m button the one thing i remember is i just got onto the motorway and hit the m button just to see well what's the difference going to be and i realized that it had been in the m mode turned it off (laughs) yeah turned it off and the whole thing what an (laughs) anticlimax it was actually though once I realised, because it felt very sharp when you got into it. So when you yeah. when the end button's on, the throttle is just, I'd say, three or four millimetres more. So you, three or four millimetres less depression is needed yeah. to get the same amount of push. Just tightens things up a little bit. It, 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 that's what the systems tend to do, isn't it? Yes. In all cars, yeah. if you've got a sport but, button. But it really felt, because that one also had the EDC, um, mm-hmm. so the whole thing felt quite hunkered down at that point. And then when I went onto the motorway and 
did it the wrong way around as I was intending. Yeah, I suppose that kind of actually worked out for the It worked out quite nicely because all of a sudden, the thing, I mean, it it wasn't like it suddenly become a luxury barge and I could just cruise. Yeah, you weren't suddenly in a DBS or a DB9. But it it did sort of just soften the characteristics down just a touch for that longer bit of a drive. Um, So when you want to push it, you've got your M button, it sharpens things up, and the whole thing just felt a touch more aggressive. Um, going to, you know, as I say, if you're going to go onto a country lane, you hit that M button, it really does put you in the mood for, okay, I can really yeah. target at some of these lanes. I also think the E92, and I, I like the fact he's gone for this, because I think it's the last of the BMW shape where you probably still could enjoy this along some of the slimmer country lanes that we have. Yes, okay, yeah, because it's once, not as fat as the new ones. Yeah, once you got to the new ones, they're turbocharged, they're very fast, very early. And they they are quite wide and they just feel like a bigger car. So the E92, I think, is the last. E46 is probably ideal, but if you want to go with a V8, and this is the only M3 to have ever got a V8, there's there's some real sort of benefits there. So driving impressions, I haven't I have actually sorry driven one with a uh, so the first two I drove a manual, and then I got to drive one that had DCT, I think it is. But I didn't drive it very far. It was like a 10-mile jaunt, and I'm, I was just interested in moving the car. The, the car had been put on a consignment um, with a dealer to sell it. So Makes it sound like espionage. Yeah, it was just a case of it. You, when it's consignment, when, when it's not been part exchanged, it's still the customer's car. And right, so you, okay. you, you just, I'm not saying that we thrash everything that's part exchange and, and not otherwise, but it's just, you're just a very aware. But they did, a little bit. <laughs> you're just very aware that if something happens, it's not the motor trade insurance and me in a bit of trouble. It's, okay. it's someone's vehicle that they've trusted, yeah. and, and the whole and company in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and the company's going to look really bad. So you know, uh, I can't speak for how much better or worse gearboxes feel. The only thing I would say is I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't go for Just the go with the manual anyway. Yes, because it makes sense uh, uh, this, unless you're buying like a a Bentayga. Or yeah. something of that sort of size, or maybe a Rolls Royce, or... Continental GT. Yeah. Sort of, that's just awesome stuff that you just want to stick it in drive and just go. Interestingly, the Audi S5 that was out on this same era, mm-hmm. I got to drive that uh, both manual and DSG. Um, I preferred it. The first one I ever drove was that same manager who had this car. Oh, okay. He had the E92, had it for six months, got an S5. And I got to take that out sort of fairly early, um, and I actually preferred it with the, the DSG. It just because it felt, really? but only because it felt like something that when you got in it, I felt I'm now driving to the south of France. Right. Okay. Whereas yeah. I can imagine it with the manual. Well, the manual I, I said that I actually got a drive in it wasn't really a drive, you know, on my own to myself. It was we've got this one in. Can you go out with some people in it? So it wasn't really me getting to test it as much as when you get sent out to go and move a car or test a car or get some fuel yeah. for a car. And so I only got that experience with the DSG one. But it just felt like when, when I drove out of the dealer, I thought, I feel like I could now just drive to the south of France. It yeah. just warbled along the road. I think the A5 is a, it's a better car for that sort of thing than the 3 Series of the same time period. Yeah, the M3 feels more like a sport. Like It wants yeah. you to go... On a country lane or on a track or, or somewhere yeah, you can have fun S5 with it. Is, it's almost pretending to be the sort of DB9 or the Continental GT. Or I, I would it's, say it's like a young pretender trying to be in that bracket, <laughs> but without I would any say of the stuff it needs. 
it's a European muscle car. That's what it felt like. Yeah, European muscle. Fair. And so I imagine with the the auto, so with the manual, if you were sort of going and going through the gears and enjoying it, you could have a, a good experience. It just would it would change the characteristic of the car. I think with the M3, it's either way whether you go manual or whether you go for the the DCT, the characteristic of the car is still I'm here to go and enjoy around corners and that sort of stuff, and I'm yeah. not so much about the long distance cruising although it can do it um and it's certainly a nice place to to be what was it so is there any mechanical yeah the, mr mechanical knowledge there's a couple because he mentioned he wanted to leave some money for um, maintenance there's a couple of things you have to be aware of um aside from you know tires obviously check them because they're quite expensive um brakes again these things are, are quite is expensive it a cam belt or a chain that's a really good question, Sam. I don't know the answer. Okay. Well, you can check that out. But the, the the thing that you'll find on internet forums across, well, the world, is uh, is it Comrod bearings? Well, I've, I've written it down with a price. Comrod, uh, yeah, Comrod bearings and bolts job for replacement. So it's the shells, basically. They, they can wear. There's a certain number of vehicles that are affected. If for, for peace of mind, you could just get them replaced, garages are charged between 1500 to 2000 pounds, so it's not a cheap job. If it wears through them, you've, you've got trouble on your hands. So, uh, you can, I think, get some oil testing done, but realistically, the best check is always going to be get the bottom end off the get the sump pan down and get a garage to actually have a look yeah. at it. And it's not cheap. So, if you are sort of uh, Ivan said he's he's putting some money aside. Yeah, I'd 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 try and have two thousand pounds in case you get one. Yeah, take it somewhere, and they say it's never been done and it needs doing because it's on a. Maybe they'll know if it's an affected uh, batch of yeah. engines or something we'll like have that. Have the data for that, won't they? Um, but I'd certainly want to leave that. If you can find one that's had it done, there are um, I think hardened shells or something. You can there's like an upgraded package that's not much more than standard. So I'd pay I would pay more to buy one that's had it done, knowing that it's yeah. been done. And if they said, Oh, and it's got uprated ones, mm-hmm. then possibly just be willing to pay that a little bit more because you don't necessarily now have to keep that couple of thousand pounds back yep, to get fair. that done. Um, and also on the plus side it's a timing chain. So it's a chain, is it? Yeah, okay. So that's better. Yeah. Than, I mean a lot I think a lot of BMWs at that era. Yeah, I, I I wasn't sure. I just wanted to. I didn't know if you knew off the top of your head, but um, the quick research that I've just done seems yeah. to show that it's a timing chain. There's there's some great colours on this M3. Unfortunately, the most you're going to find, I think, it's Jerez black, Silverstone blue, and then there's a grey. Uh, Melbourne red, fantastic colour on this shape M3, but you rarely rarely see them. Sam's immediately found one. <laughs> immediately found one onto a trader. Yeah. Third car on the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, you get a carbon roof as standard, but you probably already know that. I assume because you've did he actually write E ninety two? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're looking at the, the the coupe shape. You're not looking at the saloon or the um, the convertible. So that's fine. Just wanted to double check that price wise, Sam. I, I actually I left this to you to have a little look at what his budget so, was fifteen yeah, to twenty. I mean, the cheapest I've found, obviously, the cheapest is always going to be higher mileage. The cheapest I've got with no pictures. Okay. In North Holt is £16,400, but that's a 57 with 98,000 miles on it. So, what? I mean, that that's 16.4, which 
which is the obviously the lower end of the budget. So yeah. if we head up towards that one you were just talking about, the rare colour, that's ninety six thousand miles, seventeen thousand nine hundred pounds. What's around sort of uh, less than eighty thousand miles? Is there much around? What 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 sort of price is that? Bear with me if you could fill for less yeah. than what? Less than eighty thousand, let's say. Okay. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, necessarily worried about mileage on this engine if it's been well maintained especially if it's got history of those um, shells being done and if it's got low number of owners or something like that but okay. mileage wouldn't say so, um, I've got a few around the 79 but I've just spotted one that was 55 so let's go with that is this a private sale or is this a this is a garage okay that's good so that's good because you're gonna they will usually give you some form of warranty even if yeah well, they've got to give you something yeah they're some, gonna give the, you the, the smallest amount the standard they have to offer. this is a 58 a, plate 55 so i was gonna say is it like a, a sort of known garage if it's like a um, like an aa or something like that the picture or? is just loading there's a lot of waffling needed in this podcast <laughs> yes. while miles's internet which is decrepitly slow i, I think it's why. been run by a horse in a field <laughs> i don't know why your phone's struggling on my internet it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can look at it. In a no, it, it says motor group, so I'm guessing it's got. Okay. So either that's someone pretending. What's um, the deal? Auto Trader says it's a good price. Okay. Uh, 58 plate, 55,000 miles, full history, which is good. Sat yep. nav, which I'm guessing was standard. Uh, they added that as a No, I'm almost sure that's standard. Yeah. Anyway, this is £19,495, which is towards. Well, uh, there's no point sugarcoating it. It's £500 less than the top of the budget we were given. He did say that he was willing to move a little bit above yeah, the top of the so budget. Yeah, so if he's willing to move a little bit, then he's got the little bit in reserve, hopefully, for any what, repairs. But... What are the prices on the... F- so they facelifted the 92 on 2000, 2010, and it's almost definitely going to be the the sort of 10, uh, 1061 plate, I think it is. Yeah, 61. Okay, so, I'm having to take off my maximum price. I just wonder if... if yeah, from 10, yeah? Yeah, I think the thing is that on the facelifted ones, you can tell them apart by the rear lights because they've got the LED. Um, they actually yeah. both have LEDs, but there's just an LED strip in the earlier ones uh, just for the standby light. The brakes are all bulbs, and if you get a facelift, it's all LED back there. So this one is described as a rare manual? Yeah, see, I think once they got to the point of facelift... This idea of going into automatic and paddle shifters had taken off so much. Yeah, that most of them went. So, they went unfortunately, the cheapest one I could find has got 65,000 miles on it okay. and is £25,000. So I think that's pretty much blown the budget out but, of the water. Well, hold on. Has it? What's the history on it and everything else like that? Because if it's one that's got everything... Perhaps, it, you know, if it's had the work that needs doing on it... Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Is it a garage? It is a garage, so it's yeah. going to have it's going to have to have sort of reasonable tires, as in most of them will give you three millimeters, um, which isn't ideal, but it's at least better than if you go to turn up somewhere privately and they're on the whereabouts. It doesn't and... say that it's had the work done that we need to have it done, but it says it's got it's got service history. It's had four owners, which I guess isn't bad for that type of car. It's in that Silverstone blue that you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, comprehensive service history, eight prior services. What's the owners? Owner including the running-in service. So yeah, so, as I say, this is really critical. The, the reason I think it's so critical is because if it's missing that, likelihood it had it done. But if it didn't, I think at this point in time now, 10 years on, 12, yeah. 30, some of these are going to be 14, 15 years I old. I imagine they're going to do it for you now, are they? 
Well, well, the, there's the, no point. No, they would have done it on the first service. But yeah. you think of all that. All, you know, there's a reason they wanted to change the oil yeah. at 2,000 miles. Yeah, yeah. And that engine now, if there was anything bad to happen from poor maintenance when it was new, you're the one that's going to face that. So I would, yeah. I would be really careful to make sure you do get something that's. I mean, this is this looks like a quite a clean, a uh, nice but example, that, but. Oh no, that is a facelift. Yeah, yeah. So is that's that, that's the cheapest. That Silverstone blue. That's what it said. Just turn but the picture then, to me a little bit. Um, there we go. Sorry, everyone. I know you can't see this, but oh no, okay. Yeah, it is. It just looked like the. I can't remember. So yeah, that's that's the cheapest. I mean, and then there's a there's an immediate jump up to around thirty at that point. So okay. I think, so I think you're looking at pre safer that. to go for the pre facelift for the, for the budget wise that that he was looking at. The the other thing I'd sort of mention was. If there is anything else that you consider, because uh, Sam, just have a quick look. How much is an RS5? An of, RS5? Yeah, not an S5, because S5 would be well, well S5 into the budget. About, yeah, it's the sort of around between 10 and You could probably 14. pick a similar age one up for about £10,000. I just, I just want to put another option out there. I know it's a. The RS5 is still different in the way it does. Am I looking from, from a particular age or am I just looking at RS5? If you just type in RS5, because the earliest ones are, I think, about 2009. Um, I'm sure you'll prove me wrong in a second. I'm just wondering what the price is. Lowest on. price I've got that is not a write-off <laughs> is... <laughs> um, so I have to keep scrolling, but the first one, 124,000 miles. So I'm just going to put a filter on it of less than 90. If Give me a second. Waffle, waffle, waffle. The, the other thing I would say, um, if you are set to BMW and you do go and test drive these cars... Change um, your mind. And, uh, Sam and I have a, a difference, difference in love of BMW <laughs> by the fact that I've owned quite a few and you haven't. Yeah. Um, although you actually quite like the BMWs I've had. Yeah, they're not bad. I just I, if we're yeah, talk, if we're talking this style of car, I'd have an R. I'd have I know you go for the Audi. Yeah. Well, actually, for this price, I'd have an RS five. Um, what so, I was going to say though, just before you talk yeah. about the RS five, is if you do go and test drive an uh, an M three, and I know the minute you're saying you're in a lease three series, so this car is going to feel older, and if there feels like there's a lot of compromises going on, and you you sort of get a bit of cold feet of going for something older performance like this. Within your budget, it's a different type of car, but it's still BMW. You could buy an M240i or an M140i, buy an, or an M135i, or an M135i. If you just just you as get a, a very good M135i for that price, you would. Yeah, I, I just want to give the option out there that if you like BMW, and if you do sort of get it, and you think, do you know what, I really like the idea of the car. Maybe you've seen videos of it, and maybe your friends owned one or something like that, but. When you go and drive it, you think, actually, it's not for you. It doesn't fit for whatever else. Um, you could go to something like, as say, the 2 Series would give you a the coupe shape. And it, it won't be a full M car, unfortunately, but it will give you, within the budget, a newer car and something that's got, uh, I'd say on the road, the same performance. Um, because, you, as I say, you do have to rev the engine out of the M3, which I think is a plus. Some people don't like; they just want instant power. Yeah. So I'm just just mentioning. I'm just putting it out there as an option to you, Ivan, in, in case you sort of hear all of this. Maybe you get a bit worried about um, engine issues or something like that. I hope or, Ivan listens to this one. And he hasn't. This isn't one that he misses. 
Do you think well, they're ignorant? I said they were going to answer my question. Yeah, I'll put E92 M3 in the in the task. So, everyone, so if he misses that, then it's on, his, um, it's on him at that but, point. Yeah, an RS5 would be well within budget. What were we so looking 2011, at? 2012, I'll give you a rough a rough overview. You're looking at between 60 and 80,000 miles for between 16 to 18,000 pounds. Wow, so there's quite a so difference. Well, well in... within budget for what I would say would potentially be a, just as fun a car. Similar I... size engine. So yeah, I think the fact I think the it's still a V eight. It's still a V eight. It's four hundred and fifty horsepower, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, versus four fourteen in the M three, um, but I think it is a bit heavier. You've got all wheel drivers, not you haven't got rear wheel drive. Yeah, but you could drive to the south of France. You you would feel like you, you can go <laughs> to the south of France, yeah. Um, but that's actually that's not bad value. I I just wonder why, and I'm ch- just I'm just. They do jump up. I mean, we go. Um, I've only scrolled down for a, a second here, and I'm already on twenty-two thousand. So there is a jump in. There. I'm just wondering if there's anything, any known engine issues on the RS5 that could become very expensive, and that yeah, that's possibly, possibly why yeah. um, at this mileage. And I, because there was something I was watching, just as as I'm sure many of you car enthusiasts do when you go onto YouTube of an evening and just start watching car content of whatever and you get a suggested page of a suggested page. And it was a, a small Volkswagen garage somewhere, as not Volkswagen, he's a specialist Audi Volkswagen, all that sort of stuff, in um, somewhere in the UK. He was quite an entertaining bloke to watch. So I watched his video and he was fixing uh, a variety of different S and RS engines, um, which was quite interesting. I'm just trying to think if the RS engine was the one I remember him having one there and he said oh it's it had a problem and the cost to do a chain or something on it was a couple of thousand pounds and the owner had um, been a bit upset I think he had an RS4 which would have the same engine so um, I'm not going to suggest anything Ivan because I'm not 100% sure but if you did take that advice up and think oh go and have a look at the RS5 because like for like what do you say it was about 10 11 plates Yeah, so it's about five grand cheaper mm-hmm. than the equivalent M3 that you found. Um, just double check and see if there's not any big engine bills or possible maintenance that could come with that, because that seems like quite a big difference to me. It does. It's not like the RS5 is not a desirable car. Um, okay, well, I hope that helped. Um, I hope. Uh, let's say if, if any of you out there have any questions like that. By all means, send them in. Um, so if, it, if it's on Instagram, it will usually come to me and I'll try and put them in the podcast. If it's Facebook or Twitter, as I'll give Sam the access now that we've... Yeah, that'll be me. Yeah. So, so limited availability. <laughs> yes. So it'll either um, pop up on a podcast or Sam will send a very nice message saying, thanks for asking our smiles. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I have forwarded your messages onto yeah. the management team. Yes. <laughs> Um, but we will try and do as many of them as we can on the podcast because I'm sure there'll be other people. I mean, I was in a similar thing when years ago I wanted to buy an E92 M3. Yeah, and you can lament about that on the next podcast. Next podcast we're going to cover. The next podcast, guys, is just going to be probably a couple of hours of Miles wistfully lamenting about cars he should have bought and hasn't bought and why he's depressed that he hasn't bought them. The worst thing is I always think, oh, I could buy that. Maybe I'll wait and it will come down in price a bit more and... And you know, I'll, I'll yeah, do but this. he never says this at the time. And the worst, the actual worst thing is, I have to hear about it five yes. years later. And then, oh, the... I was going to buy one of those, were you, mate? Yeah, you were always going to buy one, weren't <laughs> they, you? They usually go up in price after I decide, no, do you know what? I'm going to wait. And at that point, it's like the world hears and they go, 
okay, Miles, Miles said he's going to buy one. Let's just put all the prices up so that it goes so far <laughs> out of his budget that he goes and looks at something else. Um, but that will be for another podcast. Yeah, the next one. <laughs> next, we're talking about Le Mans. Yes, and I can give you a brief intro to it. Yeah, go on, like, Sam. And then go you on. can go off. So what we've said here is, is the question is, is Le Mans telling us anything about battery electric cars? Now, obviously, Le Mans was the first event. They were the first to test many things in within, ra- in within the racing, racing yeah, weren't they? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so they were the first to test anti-lock brakes, first to test seat belts, first to test headlights, the hybrid engine, um, but battery cars. Are they going to work in the sport? Yeah, interesting. Interesting as well, because there's certain regulations about the current... So it's the World in, uh, Endurance Championship that goes there each year at the minute. Yeah. And there's certain regulations. For example, when they come in for refueling, they have to turn the engine off. That's just what oh, one okay. of the safety features. But the, So it's very geared up. That's actually a rule. When you come in and you need to refuel, you need to turn your engine off. Now, I don't know how they would change that rule if they were having to come in plug-in. Yeah, well, they have to go off for a couple of hours. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but nip off, read a book. Even if it had the, the basically bolts of lightning going into the car, yeah, yeah. what would you do? You have to shut the whole thing down, ground it. You know, it's so weird. Weird when you think about that. When you go from watching things like Formula One, which obviously they don't have refueling in Formula One anymore, not even anymore. when they did. No, you're still talking about a 15 second pit stop. Yeah, where they're they're just at red line waiting to go off. Yes, and then there's a cut. There's another. There's another a branch of motorsport where they come in. Turn off the engine, get yep. out. Yes, <laughs> and that's considered a pit stop. They're still trying to do it as quickly as they can, but it's just a completely different format. What? Uh, and I, just to go off on a slight tangent, I was uh, we, I've been putting up a few videos on the Mars Driven YouTube just about Formula One teams, um, and it's just been a case of covering off only under five minutes the history of the current teams, just to give people a snippet of information. So if you want, must have taken you a while. Uh, Hass was the first one I did because I thought it wouldn't take me a while and then as I was doing it more and more things were happening at Hass which I'm sure we're all aware of and and so I didn't know how I wanted to concentrate on more of how did Hass come to be and how did they exist in in motorsport um, and and what happened you know in 17 and 18 and but everything was sort of being chucked to the very end and I was like I've got to get this under five minutes but um, as of us doing this I've done uh, Red Bull and um, and Haas are the two, and Alpha Tauri will go on there next, just because they were kind enough uh, to open up their media um, archives uh, to yeah, the so Mars. Come driven. on, guys! I know <laughs> you're the Aston Martin team in there. I know, yes. Yeah, I thought that would have been the first one you got onto. Well, for a start, they they they've been much slower, sort of um, granting any sort of access to their. their oh, that's a shame. Their um, hopefully in time that will come so. along. But anyway. The, the one thing that caught me, though, was the listening to old F1 cars. Oh, it's and great. I, I, I spend loads of time just watching just random 30-second videos yeah. of the V10s and V12s. I still, to this day, as much as you know, modern F1, uh, last season, season four, there's still something thrilling. And, I, and we are talking about Le Mans, I promise. I just want to go off on a short tangent. And that's that the F1 still... When you hear those things scream past, is more exciting. It just is something more Put them exciting. Down to current crop of yeah. as it comes past. It just I don't know I don't know why. I think it's because they sound like fighter jets five feet off the deck. You know, like if you go to an air show, yeah, well, and there'll be a fighter jet that comes across oh, yeah. and just it's that piercing sound, and yeah. you just think 
danger is arriving. What they currently sound like is your annoying neighbour driving down the street really slowly <laughs> yes. at six in the morning. Um, I don't, and I know they they try to do things with it, and there's there's all different types of uh, attempts to get more noise from them, or there's attempt to. I think uh, what was it? The, one of the recovery units in 2025. I can't remember. It's not the battery recovery. It's the kinetic energy recovery system. The brake recovery system. No, it recovers it's the, from the brakes, doesn't it? Yeah, but it recovers from a few different places. Oh, okay. So I think they, there's a heat exchanger, right, which they're okay. gaining energy from heat, which is why those engines are so incredibly um, efficient. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that does something also to stifle sound. Oh, okay. Well, there, was a, there was a talk about Porsche sort of saying we it, it wouldn't it has no application for for them for a lot of car manufacturers because the the temperature it needs to be to get the kinetic energy out of yeah. it is no good okay. for a pro- production car. And so they talk production cars just running around just on fire. Yes. <laughs> and so they're saying that basically in um, in 2025 when the next re- lot of regulations come through they might take that out and that might release a bit more sound. But I think at the point we're at. What I would rather hear is a naturally aspirated V8 or V10. Well, so the, the, the noise they're managing not to get from a V8 is... It's a V6. Oh, is it a V6? Yeah, V6. Sorry. It's because it's, it's turbocharged. Yeah. Well, it's not just because of that, but there's other things going on. But still, from a V6. Yeah, I know. The, 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 power, the, the noise they're managing not to get is quite impressive. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I've told this story on this podcast, when I, I saw the first ever Formula One race on the route, on the, it was 2013. 2014 season in Melbourne, I went to that first race. Yeah. And I was very excited because I was like, in, Mel- in Melbourne, you can stand about three feet away from the track on that back. Yes. It's not a back straight, it sort of curves around. I thought, oh, I'll walk out. I managed to get quite a way through this place and I managed to get across to the side as the race was going on. I thought, oh, I can't wait to hear this. I'm going to stand here and be in awe for a second, expecting to have to have my fingers in my ears. Yeah. They bolted past. I thought, oh, they're not on. That's strange. <laughs> I just, you know what I, you expect to hear is yeah. screaming. Yeah. You know, real just. He just heard a. It was, it was. <laughs> and I didn't do myself many favours because I managed to get to an after party after that. So I, I met people in Melbourne who actually were all. Well, I met people in Sydney who were doing the organisation. They couldn't get a flight. And so I went with them in a car to Melbourne. And. Um, Ended up that because they were the organisers, I got to go to an after party of an after party. Oh, famous miles. That was brilliant. I mean, brilliant Hanging time around life. with the rich and famous. But interestingly, as a side note, I think we've um, actually been offered that someone's trying to arrange for us to go to Silverstone next year. Okay, so not this season, but next yeah. season. So That'd be good. Yeah, that's a bit in the way off, but it's something to get oh, yeah, yeah. excited well, about for yeah, next, yeah. next summer. Definitely. Um, we shall talk about that off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say was. At that point, I spoke to some engineers that were just hanging around, probably drunk, at two yeah. o'clock in the morning. And I, and it was a fairly innocent question, because I'd been a big Formula One fan, but I had been living on the other side of the world and hadn't really sort of studied what was changing. I knew the V8s were going, I knew there was a V6 coming in, but I didn't really pay too much attention. I remember saying yeah. to them, sounds a bit quiet, doesn't it? I, I thought you'd have got, you know, what's, what's going on? Is there something? They were like, what do you expect? And I was like, well... Uh, noise <laughs> yeah can you not put like a trumpet on the back of it or something like that? Uh, and it was it was sort of that conversation where afterwards i could completely understand that as engineers they were like what's this guy talking about like there's no this is what this is the rules we've been handed so you had your one chance in life at getting in with the rich and famous and really changing your life and you messed it up by just, asking a just stupid question looking like an absolute toad <laughs> yeah in a corner yeah um so yeah that was that was that short story but i i wanted to say that 
we're looking more, and we've said this in podcasts a few times, we keep questioning the technology in cars instead of questioning the technology in fuel. Yeah. Now, a re- if Formula One could go back to a V8, a V10, but have it running off something like hydrogen, where you mm-hmm. don't have any emissions coming out the tailpipe. Fantastic. You'd have, you'd still be at the pinnacle of motorsport because you can say, well, now we're developing something that is net, uh, well, it's, uh, zero tailpipe emissions. I don't know if it would be net zero, but yeah. they, they managed to get the current season net zero, and we know that in motor racing that the emissions from the cars are negligible compared to the rest of the entire event. Yes, I mean, it's about moving the cars yeah. to the next destination, isn't an, it? An average sporting event in anything, football, basketball, rugby, the amount of energy that soaks up uh, is, is, is comparable when you look at the things. Because the cars burning fuel just isn't um, a huge point of, of what's causing pollution from these events. But I just want to say that that would be a big consideration for me. If we could have something like that back i know some people quite like the current generation but if you just go back and it's just because i was looking through footage for the for the youtube channel to put something up and i was just thinking god they sound fantastic yeah these old these just screaming engines and it just reminded me of being younger mm-hmm. and watching formula one and you knew formula one was on if it was in your living room yeah, yeah. you knew it was on because you could just hear this and it, it had such a unique sound to it there was, you couldn't confuse it for any other motor racing. No. Whereas... Now you probably could. Well, bringing us back to Le Mans, Le Mans does hybrid technology, just mm-hmm. like Formula One does hybrid technology. And where Le Mans have sort of been trying to push ahead and they've had all these, what was it, first seat belts, first headlights. Yep. What was the other Go thing? On, can you get them? <laughs> so you've first, got seat belts, you've yeah. got headlights. There's... Oh, ABS. Yep. Is there another one? Yep. Hybrid? Um, yeah. Okay. They've they've got all these um, different things that they can showcase to the world. And obviously there's a lot of engine manufacturers that go into World Endurance Championship because they can test out technology and how how well it lasts. Yeah. But if they're not able to say, well, let's do this with battery vehicles, yet all manufacturers are saying, we're going to sell battery vehicles in the future. Yeah. Is there not a point where Le Mans is kind of proving to them maybe maybe we need to look at another option as well because if they you know if i know no one really it's a minuscule number of people that are ever going to need their vehicle for 24 hours but if i never know you might (laughs) and if i think back to commercial which really is where uh battery makes a lot of sense for me you think like a delivery van yeah delivery van going around london or any city or town you live in it's going to do 100 200 miles a day i can't remember when i used to do i used to do part-time uh say when i was at uni did the delivery vans and i think in a day we'd probably cover 150 miles maybe 200 so that would be about a full charge yeah yeah. but with a lunch break in between Mm -hmm. it would never run out of but yeah so but those vehicles ran from 7 a.m to 11 p.m every single day they needed to be used so that's where the technology would come in handy for that sort of yes the problem is that you can't use them at the pinnacle of their capability. No, but if you've got, if you had twenty four hours to use a vehicle, it that would see you for a couple of weeks. Yeah, oh yeah, something on there. Yeah, yeah, and also it would prove that that battery could last uh, years of abuse because yeah. it's the one thing we 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 sort of have an idea because Tesla are releasing some information about their older cars, but 
we haven't got the huge amount of information that we have from manufacturers that say we've we've cold weather tested our new I don't know VW Golf mm-hmm. and it works in the Arctic Circle. It works in the desert. Yeah, and we tested it at the South Pole and Death Valley. Yeah, and we're we're only seeing a five percent or a ten percent difference in efficiency and running, and so we've accounted for that with fueling and all this sort of stuff. And then we've added longevity in, and we've got to a point where we can say this car will last twelve years to anyone, to anyone in in any situation. I'm not sure we're we we don't know if we're at that point with battery no, yet. No, just I just because know. they haven't been around. I mean, and it's not being unfair to them. It's just they haven't been around yeah, to the, be. Yeah, the evidence isn't there. And so Le Mans is almost like an advanced testing ground where if you have to run something for 24 hours and it doesn't break. You can be quite. You can be a lot more confident for a start. But well, it's Le Mans' chance to also become the pinnacle of testing. Formula One's always been the. We do the technology for. They do the absolute. They're the, the spearhead. They're yeah. The very yeah. But it's Le Mans' chance to say, well, actually, we're going to take this forward. We're going to develop the, what is the the future of. Well, they were. That's what they did for TVI. I mean, for for Volkswagen, yeah. for TD, for diesel. Where, where yeah, the Audis that they were using. That really yeah. further, yeah, it's all of a sudden as well, it got such a marketing spin to it, obviously, yeah. which didn't go so well in the end. Yeah, but, <laughs> but at the time, yeah, but the time, I mean, they were winning Le Mans with diesel engines. Yeah. That, that, that was something that I, I guess 20 years before that, 30 years before that, that would have been laughable. But they were coming to Le Mans and saying, we can bring a diesel engine and we can actually perform with it. Um, and so if, that 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 brought us into the point of having uh, from petrol to diesel yeah. uh, as a as a higher selling point. Now we're transitioning diesel back to petrol. I would say I think is now our main. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely the main seller in almost every market. Oh yeah, definitely. So the next step, as far as we're being told, is then battery. Yeah, we're we're seeing hybrid, and we we brought this up about the hybrids. Mm-hmm. that you can buy the plug-in hybrids and how that seems to be a really good bridge where you can do a commute yeah. on battery power. But, but if uh, you want to do longer range, then you're going to need the engine. And, you, and you've got the engine. You don't have to worry about charging everything else. Um, but the, the, the full battery, if it's not in Le Mans yet, well, you know, we're nine years from the point in the UK where they want to ban yeah. the new sale of petrol. That's why we really need like, hydrogen power to become the thing to really... Yeah, well, this is take the, off. This is the thing. I mean, uh, and we'll, I think it's booked in for a much later podcast for us to talk about. But Yamaha have modified the yes. You, pre- you've, I think you've mentioned have I? Yeah, before I think yeah. That I just that, so carry on with it, just in case we haven't. But I'm fairly yeah. sure you have. Yeah, in case in case I haven't or you haven't heard the podcast, it was um, the RCF which Lexus make. Mm-hmm. I'm almost sure I have said this before, but the Lexus RCF has a V8 engine in it. And uh, Toyota, well, Lexus, Toyota, same yeah. thing to a, to a certain degree. Uh, they gave the engine to Yamaha and said, can you modify that? I think it ran 450 horsepower. Can you modify it to make it run off hydrogen? And they successfully have been able to, it, it did need some heavy modification. But that combustion engine that's currently in a production car yeah, is been able to be modified to run off hydrogen and could be put into the Lexus RCF today and just call the Lexus RCF hydrogen and burn hydrogen. There are obviously other issues around yeah, of course. fueling it and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty but cool, though. That, that's, 
So I, I just wonder, if, is Le Mans going to be a test bed for something else? So we can Maybe see... you could do one of your appeals. No, well, it's, it's worked really well so far. I mean, Honda. Come on, Nissan. Come on, Nissan. Bring the, Z- to Nissan. <laughs> Bring the Z car here, Nissan. And Honda. Have you heard back from them? Uh, they've sent me so many Can messages. I, I imagine you're now chief tester. Yeah. Chief they, European tester. They, 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 the phone is ringing off the hook yeah. from Nissan. In fact, we've had to throw it out the window. <laughs> yes. It just doesn't stop ringing while yeah. we're trying to do a podcast. Um, uh, so yeah. you're doing appeal to Le Mans. They might get back to you. What do you want Le Mans to do? Come on, Le Mans. I would do I'd, something. I would just be interested <laughs> to see if Le Mans, for example, if they were going to go battery, Yeah. my expectation would be they would do hydrogen fuel cell battery. Because realistically, I know a pit stop there that you've got to get a driver in and out, but there isn't enough time to charge. <laughs> no. uh, even even the fastest charging at the moment, yeah. um, you'd still be 15 minutes trying to put in enough to it's get a long you pit stop. probably 100 miles at race pace max. Where's the driver? He's off having a soup. Yeah, I mean, it would be like, you know the old days of Formula One where you'd a cutter, having a cigarette, <laughs> <laughs> having a quick chat to someone in the corner. Oh, has he brought someone bringing him a cup of tea out? No, no, he's gone to make his own cup of tea. If someone's laying a table for him, he's going to have a three-course meal, you know. He's currently browsing the menu. <laughs> um, but just, I would have thought that that would be a natural step because compressed hydrogen goes into a hydrogen tank. Yeah. Uh, let's say you want to do it with electricity, uh, sorry, with electric motors rather than a combustion engine. It doesn't really change a lot of the fill-up time and everything else. Yeah. So if Le Mans could do that and successfully get, because the other big thing is, batteries may be good for longevity. Are they good when they're pushed for longevity? Yeah. What about when they get older and they start to decay and they're they're not op- they're not operating at peak? Yeah. And and what happens? For, but yeah, and what and do they decay to the point where they're just unable to provide an acceptable level of performance? Because you know, if you have a twenty-year-old car and you're and it's not a classic that's been fastidiously maintained, it isn't going to be operating at the. Um, Why did you look at me when you said that? Referring to my car outside. No, 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 not at all. But it, but but it isn't going to be the manufacturer's exact spec for its horsepower and torque and fuel economy because it's had twenty years of use. Yeah, and if it's not been, I say maybe or even ten years. I think. Yeah, Yeah. so it's just a case of it's going to work outside of or within some expectation, and the same will be with electric cars if they're. 10 years old I'm sure people would expect there to be some like when you your phone my irrational my irrational thinking which you may be able to dispel right now I was driving on the way here today and I was just thinking because it was raining I was thinking well what when obviously the battery packs are usually underneath the car yeah when they do start to decay as anything will over time if it's not maintained if the battery pack becomes exposed at all and it's a wet day electricity doesn't usually mix well with water no could that be an issue at all or am I just being dumb they're, they're 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 very well sealed. Okay, as in as in you. Have it was just a thought that came through my head because I drove past a Tesla on the way here and, I th- and just looked a bit old and yeah knackered at this point because it was obviously a very early one. There's a there's a really good YouTube channel um, if you're in the UK, well if you're around the world, but there's a I can't remember it, Rutford Rutford Ford. It's just a, a village called Rutford, I think. Okay. And there's it just floods. This bit of the road floods all yes. year round. Yes, I know, you, <laughs> just, I know exactly what you I mean. I think I've probably shown you a couple yeah, of Yeah, there's a video just... of a Lamborghini trying to go through it. Yeah, you and, see And people. he gets through it. Yeah. And then there's a chap in like a Fiesta who ends up drowning. Who just 
bombs through it. And, yeah, and, and there's basically a lot of people who either do or don't know how to get through water in yeah. their vehicles. There's a few people who get through it and then their car just goes... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they usually <laughs> break down about within three or yeah. four feet. And then roll out. back into yes. the puddle. <laughs> so that's where the entertainment factors yeah. come from. But um, electric cars have run... I mean, the Teslas and stuff have run through that. No problem. Because they have to be able to be submerged. I'd like to, I, I, I'd say I was just playing devil's advocate and asking stupid questions, but I was no, no. just asking a stupid no, question. Well, there's nothing to say. The difference being that if you damaged all of that casing, because you see people do stupid things with cars and then just sell it. Yeah. Uh, I had, I remember, I'm just going to go back to this, it's just a parts. When I was doing parts for a short period of time, some guy came in with a part that he had bought a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I think it was an exhaust or something. And he came back and he said, this isn't the right one for my car. I want a refund. And I looked at it. And the guy I was working with looked at it. This thing was in like in half. I mean, as in like, it looked like he had broken it, done a patch job of welding it back together and then brought it in. And we were like, yeah, we can probably put it in for a warranty claim. But I mean, what do you mean it's not the right one? And we checked the part. The part well, was correct. As you can see, I've tried everything to fit this to my yes. car. <laughs> it's just, so you do have some people do stupid things to cars and possibly if someone did something, but then... It, it, yeah. So that yeah. reminds me of that Friends thing where Ross buys a sofa. Oh, and, he gets it it and he cuts it in half yes. and tries to return it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I'd say about the battery packs is I, with where you're talking about them like decaying or becoming damaged. If you remember when the famous car show yeah. did a... And they crashed a Rimac. Yeah. And the fire. one of them got damaged and then that burnt and that set the next cell on fire and then that set the next cell on fire. So this, At least if your petrol tank catches on fire, that only does that once. This is something that's coming out. You know the Felicity Ace that I said mentioned that it sank with 4,000 cars oh, yeah. on it? There's suspicion. It's the whole of the ocean. No, <laughs> nothing confirmed about this, but there is suspicion that apparently that there was a lot of ID4s. Okay. Volkswagen ID4, yeah, which is like, bigger one, isn't it? it's like the SUV version yeah. of the ID3. There was there's a suspicion that there were quite a few of those on board, mm-hmm. and it, look, nothing's been dug up. So this isn't some this is just people talking. Yeah. But some people that have talked about it have said, well, it's burnt through the side of the ship. That is almost definitely an electrical like the that, the the, wow. the, okay. the the fire that you would need. Yeah. Bearing in mind, most uh, petrol vehicles are. Oh, of course, because it's burnt. There was a hole in the side. That's why it sank, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it just the yeah. whole. I mean, this is a. A container ship these things yeah. are fairly tough but it just went through the whole side of it yeah uh generally cars aren't shipped with with very little or no fuel so yeah, for it's obvious reasons yeah so it's very unlike and it, it's very unlikely that basically even if it had been a petrol firing which would be difficult to do but possible uh it would have burnt out very quickly because it would have run out of fuel yeah. And even if the next car had then I mean they're in containers so it's you're also more likely to get an explosion from a, yeah, well, if a, it's, a if it's compressed explosion from, yeah. from a petrol fire. Whereas if it had been an electric car that caught one of the cells catches fire, yeah, the knock-on would have been, then, it, it would have caught the next electric car on fire mm-hmm. and that would have burnt at such high temperatures and continued to yeah, burn. It's an electrical fire at that point, isn't it? Which yeah, is... this is why they say the fire service have this issue of if they have a car on fire, there's this, uh, they basically have to put it in a tank of water. Yeah. So there is an issue around this. I don't think I think it's a bit overblown, but it is something that is good to point out because yeah. you know. And again, if they did this at Le Mans, they we would all be able to say if they can make that thing run for twenty four hours at full throttle around Le Mans, which has yeah, this enormous straight down the middle of it. Yeah. 
then we can be all a bit more confident. At least we're on the right sort of track. Yeah, and well, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, <there you> go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just found it interesting that everything I looked up into this, people were talking about hybrid, 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 hybrid. Mm. No one was really talking about Le Mans even broaching the question of um, going for electric power. And yeah, bear in mind, there is Formula E. Yeah, so there it's is... gone very quiet, Formula E, hasn't it? It's not as... It started off with a big... With a big bang. And then yeah, it, it's sort of... I think it's just... Hopefully not a big bang. Well, <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> no, I think maybe it's just a case of it's trying to find its way in the space. Yeah. Because it, it races yeah, shorter distances because of mm-hmm. restrictions. For reasons. But it can race inside cities where Formula yeah. One probably couldn't go because of noise and all this other sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. So it's clear that there is a future for you know for anyone who is a, a motorsport enthusiast there is going to be a future uh it's just what, what will that future be that's what is still really seems to be up in the air certainly for this sort of shorter races if you like that are just full throttle like a, a formula one formula e they yeah. seem to be able to maybe they'll maybe be able to transition a little bit better but for the endurance stuff rallying possibly as well yeah because you think of the crashes they're having rallying. Yeah. You don't, and, yeah. And, but again, barreling down a hillside. Again, if they had electric cars rallying, flipping over, smashing into a tree, and you see the two drivers just get out like they mm-hmm. hope, you know, we all hope they always do. But yeah. it's always nice to see when the, you know, the roll cage and everything has saved them and they get out. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see the thing catch fire. It's just rolled back onto its wheels and dragged yeah. off like the equivalent car of today is. That would be perfect. It would just instill a bit more confidence, I think. Uh, and and when these questions come up of, well, couldn't it catch fire? Or couldn't it do this? People can say, no. oh, no. Did you not see so-and-so? He, he came off the edge of a cliff and, and rallied. Landed. And just carried on. <laughs> yeah, you know, he rolled it 15 times, got out and said, have you got another one? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's our podcast, Sam. I don't think we're going to end with a plea to Le Mans. <laughs> so got I, a plea would, for them? <laughs> I would just be really interested to know if the World Endurance Championship do have. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll announce it at a much wider audience than, than me. Well, they might they might use our podcast. Yeah, that would be great. Actually, that would do us a do us a solid <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you're listening, World Endurance Championship, if we could have the exclusive on that, that would be great. Go. There's the plea for this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to that. I, that was a that was a good podcast. Huh? I thought so. Anything else you want to add, Sam? No, as you... usual. So it'll be me to edit now. Sam's Sam's going to get in his chariot and run off. No, no, I'm going to get a free haircut from the other half. Oh, first. yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.